So an ambassador is a representative. Anybody know who our ambassador to the U.S. government is from Louisiana? Kennedy's one. Julia Letlow's another, right? So those, those two could qualify as representatives for you at the Capitol of the United States. But the thing about an ambassador is it's not just a representative for you in your own government, but an ambassador exists outside of their own nation. So an ambassador has this idea of there's this foreign citizenship behind it. So you can be an ambassador in a sense as a representative, but it goes beyond that to a foreign country. We're going to look at ambassadorship. Now, how many of y'all know that you're an ambassador? Anybody know that? Good. Four of you. Um, Now, here's what I want to ask you. If I could give you an ambassadorship, I have three places for you to pick from. The first place is beautiful. It's out in the Caribbean Sea. Beach life is there. They're friendly with the United States, right? All you have to do is go there, handle the work, represent the U.S. government in such a way that you're not speaking on your own behalf. You're speaking officially from the United States government, and that's what you're going to do. How many of you think you'd want the beach gig? There's going to be another gig in a minute here. The other gig is on these mountain lakes, right? It's going to be somewhere in Europe, in one of those little countries that ends in Ania, is what it sounds like. Anyway, So you're there, it's beautiful, snow-capped mountains, streams, rivers. You can do all the fishing you want in these glacier-fed lakes, basically. And I don't know if they have glaciers in Europe. But anyway, it's cold, it's pretty, it's pristine-looking, right? There's wild deer out there, opposed to the tame deer, I guess. And they're just out there, and you can see them, and it's picturesque. That could be your second thing. The country there, they don't have any real issue with your government. Your job isn't going to be too hard there. How many want that one? So how many want, number one, the beach? All right. Number two, the mountains, streams, fishing. All right. And then the third one. The third one is a nation that is extremely poor. There's not a lot of nice stuff there. That nation is set somewhere in one of the desert countries of Africa, right? You wake up every morning and you see dirt and sand and and just emptiness. And the towns and the villages that are around are extremely poor. And the people there, they have a grievance against you. They don't like you. In fact, they would rather you leave or die than, than be there. They hate you. They hate your government. They hate your president. How many of you are going to pick that one over the other two? You got to be crazy too, right? But that's the one that you're being sent to. Now, some of y'all are like, I didn't even know I'm an ambassador. Well, if you did not know that you're an ambassador, I'm going to show that you are. Here's where we're going to pick up. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God 
was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So the first thing I want to ask right here is the thing that's tackled in verse 17. If anyone is in what? What's it say? Christ. So the first thing that you've got to realize about this is, are you in Christ? So if you are a born-again believer and you know that when you die, you are separated from hell because of the righteousness of Christ and you put your faith and your hope and your trust in Him and what He did on the cross, becoming sin for you, as I just read, taking the wrath of God for you, He was dead, He was buried for three days, and He rose from that grave. Rose from that grave. Dead and raised from the dead. That means you're in Christ. If you really believe that. If you're not a believer of that, you're not in Christ. So you're not going to be an ambassador. An ambassador of Christ. You're an ambassador of the Lord and Savior. So if anyone is in Christ, you're a new creation. You're not the same old person you used to be. You are a new, brand spanking new creation in Christ. Meaning, that old person you used to be, that you want to be, that you think you have to live up to those expectations, that one's dead and gone. And you are a new creation, brand new creature in Christ, new creation in Christ. The old is dead, the new is alive, and it's alive in Christ, the new creature is alive in Christ. When you are a new creation, oftentimes we like to treat it like there was a divorce between the old self in the new self. I was a kid that grew up in a divorced household, right? My dad took us on Tuesdays. And every Tuesday, me and my sister and my brother, we do the visitation thing on Tuesday. Sometimes there's divorce and parents have their kids on the weekends or on Monday afternoons or whatever. But here's the idea that I want to get across to you. Some of y'all, instead of having an old you and a new you, some of y'all have just had a divorce and there's no real separations. You're giving the old you visitation rights on Tuesdays, on Saturdays, every other weekend. And we live a life where we say, I'm going to be this person a lot of the times, but I'm still going to go and I'm going to do all the other stuff that I know I ought not do. I know there's things in my life, things that I say, things that I do, that I don't need there. But I'm not going to put those things behind me, and I'm not going to leave them. I'm not going to put them to death. I'm going to allow the enemy, Satan, or even the world, to pressure me 
into giving them weekend visits, Tuesday visits, whatever. You see what I'm getting at? So there's this idea that there's an old and a new, and you're a new, but you keep dipping back into the old. And I'm going to tell you this. It's human nature to want to do that. All right? But a couple weeks ago, I talked about the motivation and the discipline to wage war. Right? You can be motivated to wage war, but you've got to be disciplined to stay in it. Anybody can start a diet. Right? Anybody can. Sometimes it only lasts for 30 minutes, though. And you're like, man, we get those new cookies and the milk in the fridge. and oh, See, that's hate Oreos, hate milk, because I can eat about 5,000 of them. It's not good. It's a diet killer for me. Peach Sour Patch Kids. Someone left them in the kitchen last weekend. You don't know how badly I wanted to reach into that package and just eat all of them. I wanted to, but I couldn't because I was on a diet. I had to be disciplined enough to get through. The same in our lives. If you're a new creature in Christ, His Spirit is with you, and you can go the distance because He has that discipline for you. Verse 18 says, Now all things of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. What word shows up there? Twice. Form of reconciliation, right? So if you're a new creature in Christ, you have this thing of reconciliation that is taking place in you, that took place in you, that forever will take place in you. To be made right. To be put back in good standing, in a sense. Justified, you could say. So if we're in business and we're reconciling money, and I say, oh, we need to reconcile that debt, That means someone is going to pay the rest of their debt that they owe, right? The Bible tells us, you, new creature in Christ, you person who's been bought by the blood, who is going to be eternal bound for heaven, you are reconciled. And you have a ministry of reconciliation. But I ain't a minister, all right? That's... Your job, Tony. You the preacher. You the minister. You're the guy we pay. Not my deal. No, it is. You, person who is saved, have a ministry of reconciliation. That's what it says in verse 18. That God who had Christ in him, reconciled us. What did he reconcile us from? A life of sin, a life of debt that we could never repay. Well, I don't owe God anything. No, here's the deal. Every sin that you've ever committed in your life is like heaping up a billion dollars of debt. Every sin. Small, tiny little sins that you don't even remember would be like you taking on a million dollar debt. That little lie you told on the bus when you were nine years old, mm, that's a billion dollars is what it would cost you in God's treasury. How many of y'all could pay a billion dollars back? That's just one sin. Then that other time where you lied or you stole or you cheated on a test or you cheated your company out of something, you were dishonorable to your parents, disrespectful, disobedient. That time you looked at someone with lust, that time you were greedy and you coveted everything that you saw. 
That would be like adding on a billion dollars every single time. And you can never pay it off because you would be hopelessly in debt because every day I'm adding to my debt billions and billions and billions of dollars. But Jesus at the cross reconciled that and through the empty tomb paid it for you. Jesus on the cross says, whatever debt you have to God in the form of sin, I am becoming that. I am going to become the debt that you could never pay back. And if you believe in me, that I am the Son of God, that I lived the sinless life, that I, as a representative for you, died on that cross, three days dead, resurrected from the grave, if you believe that, then I will cover your debt. That's a reconciling. I will cover your sin. Quadrillions, octillions worth of sin mounted on that cross in Jesus as he hung there. For your sin, so that it could be forgiven. For my sin, so that it could be forgiven. For the sin of all those who would ever put their hope and their trust in Jesus as the resurrected Savior. He releases them from their debt. And not only does he release them from their debt, that's what that word impute means. It says he imputed their sin. In verse 19, imputing their trespasses to them. That means he is adding to their account. Jesus doesn't add sin to your account. And God, who is a good, just judge, who had every bit of adding punishment to your sentence for that sin that you've committed against him, instead of adding judgment and punishment, guess what he adds? His goodness. His goodness is added to you while you are giving him all of your sin and all of your debt and all of your shame and all of your guilt. That's a mind-blowing concept because that doesn't even make sense. Imagine swapping bank accounts with Elon Musk. You have everything that he has. You own Tesla now. You own the SpaceX stuff. You have all sorts, you own Twitter. You have all sorts of stuff that you own, all sorts of money would be yours. And then, guess what he gets of yours? He gets that note that still has to be paid for on the 2017 Camry. Right? He gets, he gets the bills that have been coming in. He gets all of that plus anything else you ever purchased and all of your bad credit that you've ever had. That's what he gets. He walks away just like you, and you walk away just as though you were him. Jesus takes your sin and separates you from it. So, here's the part that gets good, though. He's called you to that ministry of reconciliation at the end of verse 18. And then in verse 19... He has committed us to the word of reconciliation. What is the word of reconciliation? See, this is the part that some of y'all want to get lazy in, myself included, because I'm preaching to me just as much as I'm preaching to you. 
you get lazy in the fact or you just don't remember the fact that you've been called to the ministry of reconciliation. Point blank, Paul is writing this straight from the Holy Spirit, telling you that you are a minister of reconciliation. That means it's your job to give the Word of God in the form of the Gospel to folks. Now, just heard a statistic yesterday. Evangelical church, you know, typical Baptist type of thing. Less than 10% of evangelicals share their faith once a month or more. 10%. Which means 90% of church in the United States does not share the gospel, does not disciple, does not give their testimony. 90%, y'all. And I'm willing to bet that if I asked you Who has shared the gospel in the last month in here? We would have 10% or less of the hands go up. Fact. That is a fact. Another fact. The state of Louisiana, right in the middle of the Bible Belt. How many of y'all would say, I can't share the gospel with anybody. I can't do that because I don't know any lost folks. I don't know any people who would die and be separated from God for eternity. I hear that a lot. I use that. 77% of Louisiana identifies as no church affiliation, Because we don't want it. I want you to think about that. 77% of the state of Louisiana is lost. I know what you're thinking because I thought it. That's all down south. That's all, you know, sub-Alexandria. It's actually not. 74% of our area, 74% of North Louisiana would identify themselves as without Christ, as lost. Yet only 10% of us or less will ever share the gospel with them or have in the last month. You know what those numbers say? We don't take our ministry of reconciliation very seriously at all. You know what it says? It says, we show up on Sunday, we sit around, we hear the words that come out of your mouth, and we leave unchanged. We leave, and we go home, and we go to baseball practice, and we go to dance practice, and I go to the the, the coffee shops, and I go and I I visit my friends at at whatever, whatever you do. I go to work, I do this, I do that. I get on Facebook, and we never share the gospel. That's a lie. It's not never. 90% of the time, each month, we're not going to share the gospel. So my first challenge to you today is be a 10%er. Be one of that 10%. And I'm going to start with your goal this way. And this ain't going to be hard. Once a month. 
have an intentional conversation with somebody about Jesus. Once a month. Is that hard? There are 31 days in a month, most months. You're talking once in 30 days, have a gospel conversation with somebody. How many of y'all are scared to death right now that I said that? And you're like, I don't know how to do that. I can't do that. I'm a little nervous. How many don't care and are like, I just hope you hurry up because I don't want to be late to Mexican. But there's probably people in here feeling that way. Here's the thing. It's your ministry, your duty, appointed to you by the one who you proclaim is not just your Savior, but your Lord. Y'all get that? He is my boss of bosses. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Yet I'm not going to do what he says. I would rather take his instruction and tell him where to go and do my own thing, even though he's good enough to save me and good enough to be my Lord. I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. If that's your attitude toward him and toward this ministry of reconciliation, you ain't in Christ. You are lost and you are going to die and you will spend an eternity in hell. Period. If your attitude is, yeah, I'm saved. I get Jesus as my Lord and Savior and I'll go to heaven forever. Yet I'm not going to take what he says seriously. You have no regard for him. Zero. And you are in danger of judgment. He then calls us to be that ambassador. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Y'all, we each have a mission field in our life. You don't know this, but you do. Each one of you has a mission field. Some of your mission field is with other folks that look just like you, that talk just like you, that, that do all the same things as you. If you're a guy in your 20s, and that's the kind of stuff you do, that's your mission field. If you're, if you're a woman in her 70s and you hang out with a group of women and y'all got like hobbies and stuff, that can be your mission field. And here's what I'm going to challenge you with. Use your mission field not just to stay with the comfy and the cozy and within the confines of Christianity. That was a lot of C's. Don't just do that, but go out and look for those that need Jesus and meet a spiritual need and get one of them in. You'll have nine of y'all working with one. Nine folks discipling one. How amazing would that be? That would be awesome for the nine of you, but also for that, that lost one that comes in the mix. We look and we see, and I'm going to give you four quick points about being an ambassador. An ambassador is appointed. They are chosen they are chosen representatives of Christ. Not of yourself, because a lot of times we're really good at representing me. Right? Tony is really good at representing Tony to other folks. I can be good at representing Christ, but a lot of times people will walk away and they'll know more about Tony than they will Jesus. And that's wrong of me. Because I'm called to be in the ministry of reconciliation. The next thing, an ambassador is a protected citizen of the nation that they represent. 
You are a protected citizen of the nation that you represent. So while I'm in the embassy of a foreign country, and the country's falling apart, and there's stuff going on around them, if I am in the embassy, I am in home sweet home, and if they attack my embassy, they are attacking the government of my nation. That should give you a sense of peace. You have diplomatic immunity, which means you are free. And if you are an ambassador of Christ, you are free in Christ to do and say what you need to for his purpose, for his kingdom. I want you to think about this. This isn't your kingdom. It's his kingdom. How are you furthering it as his ambassador? And then we look and we see that the nation stands by its ambassador and supplies that ambassador with what they need and defends them. You are a citizen of heaven, is what the Bible says. Understand this. You are a citizen of heaven. You know what that means? When people lash out against you because you're leading them in that ministry of reconciliation, when people lash out against you, you don't have to fight back. Why? Because your commander-in-chief already knows what took place. And he already knows how he's going to repay their evil against you. So you don't have to fight back. Why? Because you can trust that he is sovereign and he's going to take care of you. The third thing is ambassadors are accountable. You have the task of representing Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. That's your task. That is your job before you as an ambassador, no matter where you are, whether you're on the sunny beaches of the Caribbean or whether you're in that mountain chateau out there in Switzerland somewhere or whether you're in the deserts of Saudi Arabia. You have a mission for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and he is going to hold you accountable for accomplishing the task that he presents before you. You'll give an account one day. And then the next thing, the final thing, ambassadors are called home before war. If there is a war that's a brewing, that ambassador is called back. This kind of touches the whole idea of that rapture. And one day Jesus is coming, he's going to return. He is going to bring all of those that are his up with him. And you read Thessalonians and you kind of look at it and you kind of go, ah, I see the rapture in there. And if you are an ambassador, no matter how hot and heavy it gets, before it's going to go down the final drain of this world, he calls you home. So you can go and operate knowing that that helicopter is ready to pull you out because when the tribulation comes, the great tribulation I'm talking about, not just trials and problems and issues because those are going to happen. And when those do happen, you can rejoice in them because the Bible tells you they're going to happen and you know you're on the right path. But when everything's getting real, like end times real, that helicopter drops you the line and evacuates you. You can do his task for him. So I want you to realize 
The life that you lead is a modeling life. As an ambassador, you represent Christ and you show others how to cling to him, how to receive him, how to accept him, how to embrace him, how to do his work for him, how to further his kingdom, because there are other folks who are going to be looking at you. And you don't want them to look at you and go, Christianity, whatever. You want them to look at you and be like, she looks like Christ did. He looks like Christ did. He acts like Christ did. When he speaks, it's spoken with love and with integrity, with purity, with the heart of Christ. You're an ambassador. Here's what John 20, 21 says. As the Father sent me, I send you. We know that we can have hope in him. And that last verse, and I'm not going to dwell on it because you hear me say it about every other week. He made him who knew no sin, Jesus was sinless, to be sin for us that you might become the righteousness of God in him. You have the very righteousness of God dwelling in you. So if I asked you, are you righteous? Most people in here would be like, no, I'm just a sinner. I'm just... No, you are righteous if you are in Christ. Are you righteous? I'm righteous. Why are you righteous? Because of Christ in me and not because of anything that I do, but because I believe and I trust in Him. I trust in Him as my hope and as my Savior. It's not because of the stuff I do. It's not because of what I say. It's not because of how I spend my time or how I pray. It's because of Christ in me. He is my hope of glory and I love him for saving my soul, keeping me from eternal judgment and giving me life so that I can spend an eternity with him and the saints who have gone on before me. And because of that, I want to live my life for him. When your attitude is like that, you want to be the very best ambassador that you can be. You say, send me where there's gunfire. I don't care. Send me to the embassy that has no running water. Send me where you're going to stretch me and grow me and make me more, look more like your son, Jesus. Because in the end, that's all I care about. Find those opportunities for ministry of reconciliation in your life. For that ministry to take place. And if you don't know how to do that, we'll train you up. Because in the end, that's going to be on you and you're going to be accountable. And it's my job to make sure you are prepared and equipped to go out there and to fulfill what he's called you to do.